At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up from Viva. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson family and podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment, going to be joined by Holden Kushner. He is holding it down in the great city of Denver, Colorado. We're going to be chatting with him about everything that we wound up seeing at the trade deadline. He's going to share a stat that is going to be very shocking about the Rockies and their moves, or shall we say, lack of moves at the trade deadline. We're going to be taking a look at some of the teams that they wind up improving themselves. And on top of that, why laying $3 in a lot of these games that we're seeing right now? Not necessarily the world's greatest move. So we've got a lot to chat about there with Holden in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, size per usual. Please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Most of my questions involve what we wound up seeing at the trade deadline. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more with Holden in the second segment. So have no fear. We've got you guys covered there. And I've got you guys covered with everything that we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Speaking of not laying big numbers with teams, hopefully you didn't do so with the Milwaukee Brewers. 
The Pittsburgh Pirates wind up walking it off by a count of 8-7 to seven, thanks to a Brian Reynolds home run. He goes far and 25 feet to center off of Devin Williams, who allows a run for the first time in 31 appearances as he gives up a solo home run in the ninth to Mr. Reynolds. And for Reynolds' 16th home run season a little bit earlier, you'd see Brent Suter give one up to Oniel Cruz. For Cruz, his eighth of the campaign as Suter. He winds up giving up that home run while getting just one out of the bullpen. It was the return of Freddie Peralta, by the way, for the Brewers. Did not last long. Gives up two runs in three and two-thirds innings before Trevor got. Well, he got him four outs without giving up a run, but Jake McGee continues to be a hot mess. 692 ERA this season. Gets two outs and gives up two runs. Matt Bush, one of the big trade deadline acquisitions for the Brewers. Well, that went swimmingly. He winds up giving up two runs in an inning, and you did wind up having a scoreless inning out of Taylor Rogers, who wanted coming over from the Padres. And for the Brewers, they do go 5 of 13 with men in scoring position, as this was a night to forget for Tyler Beattie. He gets a start, he got four outs, and he gives up four runs. You did wind up having Yuri De Los Santos wind up giving up three runs in the eighth inning while getting just two outs, but the rest of the bullpen was stellar. Dwayne Underwood. Junior, a scoreless setting. J.C. Young, two scoreless settings. Dylan Peters, two and two-thirds settings. Scoreless, and William Crow gets the final four outs to be able to get the job done. The Tampa Bay Rays, they get the job done. Three to two, they take down the Toronto Blue Jays as it was Ryan Yarbrough who wanted coming in out of the bullpen. And so important to note when Ryan Yarbrough starts versus coming out of the bullpen, his ERA is a full point better coming out of the pen. Jalen Beeks gives up a run in an inning as the opener. Yarbrough from there gives up one solo run over the course of four innings going deep to Oscar Hernandez, 15th home run season. From there, bullpen was able to lock it down. Ryan Thompson, two scoreless settings. Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adams, scoreless eighth and ninth innings. As for Tampa Bay, they were able to get to use Kikuchi in this one, giving up two runs in four innings. From there, the bullpen was solid. Adam Simber gives up a run while getting just one up. But Tim Meza, pair of outside the bullpen, Trent Thornton, David Phelps, Trevor Richards, all were able to give you a scoreless setting. The debut of Luis Castillo for the Seattle Mariners went very well. 7-3, Seattle gets it done, and Seattle spotted him a 6-0 lead before he wanted to take in the mound. As going deep off of one Garrett Cole was a trio of gentlemen. As Jared Kelnick gets his fourth home run season, and Eugenio Suarez is 18th, and Carlos Santana was able to get his 10th a little bit later on. Jesse Winker will get his 10th home run season. That comes off of Juani Peralta. Peralta winds up giving up that home run in two-thirds of an inning, but for Garrett Cole, settle down after that. Problem is, when you wind up giving up six runs in the first, it's a lost start, as he gave up six runs in six innings, including those three bombs. Jonathan Weisegate gives you an out of the bullpen. The Trevino Trevino duo is starting to get going, although Kyle Gashioka was catching on this day. So, fortunately, we couldn't see it for a second straight day. He pitches a scoreless inning, and Ron Metanakio was able to give you a scoreless inning. Speaking of Kyle Gashioka, he gets a six home run campaign that comes off of Luis Castillo, who wound up giving up three runs in six and two-thirds innings in his debut. Ryan Baruki from there is out of the bullpen. Matt Festa and Paul Sewell both able to give you a scoreless inning. The Philadelphia Phillies nailed down the Atlanta Braves 3-1. to one. They're able to get it done as Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler. Well, it was Whelan and Dylan. Gives up a solo run over the course of seven innings as Orlando Arcia. His seventh home run season, you have Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado combined for a scoreless inning before David Robertson, new acquisition, was able to give the team a scoreless inning. And Nick Cassianos, his first home run since dinosaurs roamed the earth. His ninth home run of the season. That comes off of Colin McHugh as... For McHugh, he takes the L in this one as Charlie Morton was very good. Eight punch out, six and two-thirds inning. Squirrel still only allows a run out of the bullpen in two-thirds of an inning, but McHugh 
Gets those two outs, but allows two runs off of that home run. A.J. Minter was able to give you a scoreless setting from there. So, Phillies wind up holding up at the point of attack. The D.K. Nation pick holds up at the point of attack as well. The Minnesota Twins wind up taking down the Detroit Tigers by a count of 4-1. to one. And for the Detroit Tigers, they wind up getting one hit out of players not named Harold Castro. Harold Castro goes 3-4. of four. The rest of the team goes 1-26. of 26. A sad and pathetic Detroit Tigers offense continues to look sad and pathetic and... For Tyler Alexander, not a bad start here. He gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Jose Cicerano, Derek Law, both going inning, both wind up giving up a run. Andrew Chafin, scoreless setting out of the bullpen. And for the Minnesota Twins, Joe Ryan was on his game. Nine punch outs, one run allowed over the course of five innings. Michael Fulmer, Caleb Theobar, Yohan Duran, Ode Lopez all wind up delivering a scoreless setting. They always say don't mess with Texas, but the Orioles, they went to Texas to mess with them. And they get it done against the Rangers by kind of 6-3 as... They were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Robinson Torinos takes Matt Moore deep for a third home run in the campaign. And Ryan McKenna is second of the campaign. That comes off of Martin Perez, who's able to have a very solid season. And, I mean, other than that solo home run, Martin Perez didn't give up anything. One run surrendered in six innings. Another very good start for him. Matt Moore gives up a solo home run while getting just one out of the bullpen. But a calamity for the Texas Rangers bullpen. Jose Leclerc. Gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. And then Jonathan Hernandez gives up two runs in his inning of work for Texas. pair of bombs of their own as Felix Batista gives up a home run for the second time in his last three appearances. Marcus Simeon, 15th home run season. And Jonah Heim goes deep off of Dylan Tate, 13th home run season for the Orioles bullpen. Seems to be wearing down a little bit with Tate and Batista both giving up home runs. Tate got four outs without the bullpen. Batista, three outs, but Cienal Perez gives you four outs without allowing a run. Brian Baker was able to get an out of the bullpen. And Kyle Bradish, who has not been too great for the Orioles this season. North of a six ERA, one run surrendered in five innings. So he did his part as the Orioles now 54-51. and 51. Despite the fact that they sold off a couple pieces at the trade deadline, the Baltimore Orioles are currently one and a half games out of the final wildcard spot currently being held by the Tampa Bay Rays, the Cleveland Guardians. They're one game out after they wind up taking down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 7-4. to four. It was the MLB debut of Tommy Henry and wasn't necessarily the best debut as he allows four runs over the course of five innings and he got taken deep by Amid Rosario. His sixth home run season, Oscar Gonzalez a little bit later. He goes deep off of just an interesting name to always say. Kevin Ginkle for his third home run season. For Ginkle, I guess you could say he got Ginkled giving up a solo home run over the course of an inning. From there, you do wind up having Noah Ramirez give you five outs out of the bullpen scoreless, and Tyler Holton was not holding it down as he winds up giving up two runs and got just one out for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pair of bombs in this one. They're averaging right around 1.4 home runs per game on the road. Geraldo Perdomo was able to get his fourth home run season off of Eli Morgan, and starter Shane Bieber, he had a fever for giving up a home run to Alec Thomas. Eighth home run season for Bieber. Relatively solid start. He had given up three plus runs in six out of his previous seven starts. Now back-to-back starts in which he had lost two runs for fear, giving up two runs in six innings. James Karen check along with Trevor Steven. Both give you a scoreless saying, and then Eli Morgan allows that home run. Two runs in total over the course of his inning of work to be able to close it out. The Boston Red Sox wind up falling to the Houston Astros by a count of 6-1. An Astros team playing north of 62% of their games under the total of the season. Sander Bogart's lone form of offense for Boston. He gets his ninth home run season. That winds coming in off of Will Smith, who he got jiggy with it, giving up that home run. I don't know if that's going to be too much of an upgrade, but this could be an upgrade for Houston. Jose Urquidy looking really good in this one. No walks, two hits allowed in seven innings, no runs as well. Ten punch outs, Seth Martinez, a scoreless setting out of the bullpen as well. And Trey Boom Boom Mancini 
as a long home run season. Rich Hill winds up giving that one up as he allows four runs three innings. He was pretty much supposed to be the opener for Brian Bayo, but Brian Bayo spelt bellow, winds up giving up nothing, and he wound up getting two outs out of the bullpen. Erikazu Sanamora was able to give you an out of the bullpen as well, and Caleb Ort, he winds up giving up two runs in three innings before Ryan Brazier able to pretty much preserve the under with a scoreless setting. For the White Sox, they finally get a good start out of Lance Lynn. He is able to do a solid job as the White Sox get a 4-1 win. For Lynn, he winds up giving up one solo home run over the course of six innings, going deep Bobby Wood Jr., 15th home run season. From there, Jake Diekman, Kendall Graveman, Lee, and Hendricks all give you a scoreless inning with Graveman striking out the side. And for the White Sox, Jose Abreu. He gets his team-leading 14th home run season. That comes out for Brady Singer as Singer was singing the blues. 11 hits allowed, 4 runs in total, including that home run over the course of 6 innings. From there, White Mills and Luke Weaver, yes, Luke Weaver, now on the Royals, were able to give you a scoreless inning. So, a good win for the White Sox, who are now up to 53-51. and 51. They are in the middle of that AL Central race out there in the National League East. Could we perhaps see an MVP candidate starting to emerge? Sandy Alcantara, a shutout for the Miami Marlins, 3-0 the final. I will still say this. You take Sandy Alcantara off the Miami Marlins, he has a as big, if not bigger, effect of anyone else taken off of any team in baseball. I mean, this Miami Marlins team might be the worst team in baseball if they wind up taking him off, and the Angels still exist, and that's why Shohei Otani might wind up being a little bit out of him, but for Sandy Alcantara, nine scoreless settings, only three strikeouts, but very, very good stuff on a night in which they needed him, and for the Miami Marlins, Jesus Aguiar. He provides the offense. 13th home run season. He comes off of Mike Miner, who's been a major disappointment all season long. Three runs surrendered in five and a third innings, including that home run. Luis Cesson or Strickland has scoreless saying and Joel Kunal gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but it was indeed Sandy Day out there in Miami, and it was indeed clobber the Nationals Day for the Mets. They wind up taking now Washington by a count of 9-5 to five as Daniel Vogelback. Winds up getting his first home run as a Metropolitan, 13th home run season, Pete Alonso, 28th home run of the campaign, and for Alonso, league-leading 88th RBI of the campaign as Anibal Sanchez winds up giving up one of those bombs, five runs, four of which were earned, given up in four and a third innings. Why he's getting starts at the age of 38, I have no idea. Jordan Weems, three runs surrendered in one and two-thirds innings before Andres Machado, Steve Ciszek, Hunter Harvey, I'll give you a squirrel setting. And for Washington, they were able to put up some runs in the ninth inning as in the ninth, Michael Givens, he givens up a pair of home runs as you wind up having Lane Thomas get his eighth home run season and Kiber Ruiz is fourth for Givens. Gives up five runs in two-thirds of an inning after the Mets had a shutout going into the bottom of the ninth. Chris Bassett, very nice start. Took you line and sinker. Seven scoreless setting. Trevor May, a scoreless setting as well before Seth Lugo has to get the final out because our guy Givens was not doing such a great job. And for the Mets, they win this game despite going 3 of 17 with Ben in scoring position. And then on the West Coast, you had the LA Dodgers take down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 3 to 0. The Giants had a basis loaded opportunity with no outs in the seventh inning and could not cash in. They leave 10 men on base as Alex Cobb. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of six and a third innings. A little bit of a tough luck season for him as he falls to three and six for the Dodgers. They go two of nine with men scoring position, and it was enough as Julio Arias, six scoreless settings, and then Evan Phillips, Yancey Almate, Craig Kimbrell all wind up giving you a scoreless setting. And for the Giants, you do wind up having Alex Young and Junior Marte both give you a scoreless setting, and Dominique Leon, pair of outs at the bullpen. The debut of all the mashers out there in San Diego went pretty darn well. 9-1 to the final as it was Brandon Drury 
want to make the big impact in this one. Grand Slam, first set bat, first setting, 21st of the campaign. Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado also go yard, both off of Chad Cool. He was not Mr. Cool in this one. Cronenworth, 11th home run season. Machado, his 19th as Cool winds up giving up all nine runs on eight hits in five innings, including a trail of bombs. You do wind up getting two scoreless settings out of Chad Smith and then Carlos Aceves in scoreless setting of his own as the Colorado Rockies go 0-3 with men in scoring position. Blake Sell allows just one run in six settings before Tim Hill, Stephen Wilson, and Bell Crisman able to give you a scoreless settings. And for Juan Soto, first game, he winds up going 1-3, of three, two walks. So not a bad outing there and not bad at all for the Oakland A's who has a $2 underdog. They take down the LA Angels by a count of 3-1. to one. Shoy Otani takes the loss, giving up three runs, two of which were earned, punched out seven and five and two-thirds innings. He did allow a home run in this one as going deep for the Oakland A's. Sean Murphy, many people thought he might get dealt at the deadline, his 13th home run of the season. And for Oakland, James Caprillion, he has really been able to come on for the team. He goes five and a third innings, allowing just one run. And for Caprillion, he's now allowed one run or fewer in five out of his last six starts, three runs of fear, and now each out of his last eight. So after a really rough start to the season, he's been able to pick it up. A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, they're all able to give you a scoreless setting and Sam Hall, pair of outs out of the bullpen. As for the Angels, they were able to get one and a third inning scoreless out of Aaron Loop and Aimee Badia. He was able to go two scoreless settings as well. And if you're taking a look at the game of baseball right now, so it's been a little bit of an underseason thus far as right around 51.7, 51.8-ish percent of games have gone under the total 769 to 717 overs, according to our good friends over there at Covers. And for favorites overall this year, they're hitting at 59.7%, but they're having a tough time covering the run line, especially home favorites who are 592 and 403 overall this season, but we have now seen 186 instances in which a home favorite has won by one run to not cover the run line over the last 30 days. We have seen the underdogs wind up hitting at about 40%, so on par with the season. Favorites 217 and 145 in the time span, and we've been noticing that a lot of the underdogs are hitting our larger underdogs, and over the last 30 days, 185 unders to 170 overs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Wednesday. Coming up next, we take a look forward as to what we're going to be getting on Thursday as a couple guys that wound up getting moved at the trade deadline. They're going to be making their debut, and on top of that, we're going to be looking at just how demonstrative these money lines are getting, why you shouldn't be laying $3, and what we wound up getting at the deadline, who improved, who didn't. We're going to be talking about that and so much more with Holden Kushner of the Denver City Cast and Run Pure Bets and Run Pure Sports. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Gatorson, now a part of the Mason Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson family of podcasts and Always great to be joined by this guest as Holden Kushner does a great job for us over here at VEASAN as he does our Denver City Cast. Over here at VEASAN, we do something great where we take a look at sports betting from a local perspective. We've got many of these city casts out there in places like Chicago, New York City, Washington, D.C., Detroit, and then Denver, which is one that Holden does. And then on top of that, he does great work over there at Run Pure Sports and Run Pure Bets, taking a look at a betting perspective and some daily fantasy as well. And Holden is a man that does a great job whenever he fills in at the network as well. You're able to fi- follow him on Twitter at Holden Radio altogether. And Holden, it is great to have you aboard and it was great to meet you last week out here in Las Vegas. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it was great to be out there. Great to meet you. Just coming in, not drinking uh, just drinking 10-hour energies, you know, two fives, and then you wouldn't eat dinner. It was impressive to see you work. I had no idea what you did the second you got off of work, although the flood in the sports book was good. It was a very eventful trip for me, my friend. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the fact that you wind up seeing the TV flooding, if you've ever seen the movie, <laughs> Scary Movie 3, where they're like, Cindy, the TV's leaking. <laughs> that was like real life what was happening out there in the sports book. Fortunately, things were all taken care of. And it led to myself getting a little bit of extra screen time over there at Circus. So, I mean, I guess you take it however you can yeah. get it. You felt bad for Derek and the guys, but fortunately, they're all back up and running. And something that is certainly up and running is these top teams out in Major League Baseball. Yeah. But something that I've noticed post-trade deadline is that it just feels like these numbers are starting to get a little bit out of whack. We wind up seeing it Wednesday night with the San Diego Padres and the Colorado Rockies. You wind up seeing San Diego with Blake Sell on the mound get up north of a minus $3 favorite. And no doubt, bringing in Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, those guys, I mean, it certainly helps the San Diego Padres. But I think it's fair to say that we've seen a full $1 move on the Padres as compared to what they would be, heck, seven days ago. And I think that some of these lines are starting to get a little bit overinflated. I'm not sure your take on this because I and I think that the Padres should be sizable favorites in this series against the Colorado Rockies. But minus $3 on Blake Snow yesterday just felt way too high. First of all, for this one instance for the Rockies, they're so bad on the road, right? Yes. So at least we can look at that. But in no way, shape, or form should you be backing any team that's close to three, 400. Remember, we talked about this before the show. So yesterday, the Nationals closed at almost plus 300. That was a bet you had to take. Didn't think about it when the Royals had half their team missing when they went to Toronto. You, what were we seeing a dozen times where a team is minus 400? The Blue Jays lost that game too. So just out of that, I mean, to be setting these lines, but they make sense, Greg, but it's not, it just makes me not want to bet them. It makes me actually want to bet the dog. If I'm right there with you, it's one of those cases where 
you maybe wind up taking a look at a run line on some of these chalky favorites if you think that it's a really, really good matchup. I've done that with the Dodgers a few times because the Dodgers, it feels like they either lose outright or they wind up winning by two runs. I believe that they've only had eight wins this season, which they have won by approximately one run. But I mean, when you wind up laying minus $3 or greater, it becomes, for me, run line or pass, personally, because there aren't a lot of instances in which it does wind up landing on one run. And heck, sometimes taking a run and a half with some of these underdogs, if you don't think that they're going to be able to win it outright, but you have a team like the Detroit Tigers that they've got a good bullpen, not necessarily the worst look in the world as well, so... I certainly think that you've got to be reducing the juice in a lot of these spots. And I think that that's going to be so big moving forward because I mean, we're getting a nice taste of it right now with what we're seeing in like Rockies versus the Padres. That is going to be a series that winds up raging on on Thursday. And as we're doing this right now, the Padres are right around a minus 280, minus 290 favorite. So another one of those instances we wanted seeing it with the Nationals versus the Mets game. And no question. With the Washington Nationals, they're going to be terrible the rest of the season. But, I mean, even with how bad the Nationals are, when it's all said and done, they're probably going to wind up with about 55 or so wins this season. So if you're getting these plus prices, I know that it's grody, but if you just keep betting it night in and night out, you're not going to wind up being down when it's all said and done. Just had a principle betting the Rockies at plus 255. It's that simple. I hope that people are not betting minus 300s on a nightly basis, this thing closing around minus 305. That is absolutely ridiculous. And again, all I got to do is hit one out of these three bet, two and a half bets. I'm hitting these a big plus money, plus two and a half, plus 300 all over the place. The value is just there. And there's pass for these teams to win. The Rockies, if there is any type of hitter or pitcher that they hit, they hit lefties well. I know it's on the road, but they've gotten to Blake Snell before, maybe a little bit more at Coors, but still they've gotten to this guy. You never know what you're getting out of Blake Snell. Plus 255, is it enough? Yeah, it's enough for me. Hit it. I hit it. And one of our good friends over there, Jared Smith, does a great job over at PicksWise. He wound up tweeting this out on Tuesday as well. If you bet the money line on favorites of minus 300 or more, obviously this is coming into Wednesday, but you'd be 28 at 16. But if you bet $100 on every one of those money lines, you're down $772. Meanwhile, if you just took the money line of every underdog that was plus 200 or greater at 39 and 73, you're up $1,545. That illustrates it right there. When it comes to Major League Baseball, it is a little bit more of a grind. And taking these plus prices over time, it can wind up building your bankroll. So I think that that is certainly something to take a look at as Holden Kushner does a great job over there at the Denver CityCast. He's joining me on the podcast. And as we know, the Colorado Rockies, they're out there in the same division as the Padres. They are going to be playing against the Padres on Thursday. But with regards to the team that they're going to be playing against, what did you wind up making out of San Diego saying they are all in? They trade for Juan Soto. They wind up bringing in Josh Hader a few days earlier. They bring in Brandon Drury. I was not expecting the Padres to be this big of buyers at the deadline. And honestly, I love the fact that they are going all in. I just still don't know if at the end of the day, even with all these pieces, they're good enough to take down the Dodgers in a series. Isn't his? Isn't AJ Preller's contract up? Isn't this kind of like you better get it done here? I, I don't know if it's up. I think it's he's definitely on the hot seat, right? So yes. last year they had all of the excitement, and and I don't know how this guy keeps a job. You know about all the controversy in the past with this organization and him there. I mean, it has been a rocky ride there. And then last year, you know, he signs all these players and. 
they're supposed to be this great, the next great super team, and they, they flamed out. So now it's like, all right, Preller, you have to do something for us, or we're going to have to go a different direction. So he just threw it all out there on the table. Listen, if this pays off, then I got a shot at at least getting to a World Series, maybe winning a World Series. And if it doesn't pan out, it wasn't going to pan out anyway. So I won't be around when these prospects are paying off of the Nationals organization. This was just go for it all. Let's get the best player available, one of the three best hitters in Major League Baseball, and put them in our lineup. Woo! It's going to be pretty. It is going to be a whole lot of fun. And it feels like the National League now a little bit more open than the American League as well. Because what I noticed at the trade deadline is that the Yankees, they want to make some moves. They bring in Frankie Montas. They get rid of Joey Gallows. And that by itself is an upgrade for the New York Yankees. I mean, that guy hit like a buck 55 while he's in New York. That was cataclysmically bad. So, I mean, just that in and of itself, that's a win for the New York Yankees. But they pick up Scott Efforts. For the bullpen, the Houston Astros, their one albatross in the lineup has been the catcher spot. They bring in Christian Vasquez. That winds up being able to help them out. Was a little bit surprised by the lack of moves in the American League. The Seattle Mariners, a organization which has not been to the postseason since Ichiro Suzuki was a rookie. They wound up getting Luis Castillo. Looked very solid on Wednesday. Good returns there, but teams like the Blue Jays, anyone out there in the American League Central, aside from the Twins picking up a little bit of pitching, it felt like they didn't wind up doing a lot. And I take a look at the National League. It's a bit more wide open now that the Padres wind up making some moves. The Atlanta Braves have been super hot. The Mets now now have Jacob DeGrom back. But in the American League, when it's all said and done, I just still take a look at it. And it's Yankees, it's Astros, and it's everyone else. Can we talk about the Rockies for a second? Absolutely. Please. Have you ever been to Coors Field, Mr. Pierce? I unfortunately have not. I yeah. need to one of these days. I unfortunately just have not been able to get over there yet. Get your gluteus maximus out here <laughs> and go to the one of the most beautiful places you could ever imagine going to a baseball game. This place, Coors Field, is so gorgeous. It's clean after all these years. You can see the mountains, for Rocky Mountains from parts of the stadium. The food's really good. The area is a lot of energy. Always sunny here, but... That front office is so clueless, dude. I mean, 29 teams made a deal yesterday. And the one team that really needs to get better at a lot of positions did not. And it just shocks me. Because I could understand if the Rockies had the best record in baseball and they said, eh, you know, our roster is so good, we're going to win the World Series, it doesn't matter. But it's the Rockies. And they're one of the worst teams in baseball. And they're last in their division again. And again, there was a chance to make themselves better, and they thought that doing nothing would be better. So it is possible that the general manager, whoever pulling the strings there, realizes that they are not good at trading pieces. What are they doing? They had a pizza party in the front office <laughs> for the trade deadline for doing nothing. Bill Schmidt said, "We're here's what he had to say. This was the, let me find this quote. Rockies, Bill Schmidt. We were also the only club to sign a player to an extension at the deadline. 29 other Cubs didn't sign anybody to an extension. Hey, ding dong, in your own division, Joe Musgrove signed an extension with the Padres. The Braves gave 10 years to Austin Riley. What are we doing here? What a joke. And Chris Bryan has missed how many games? He's on the IL for the third straight, for a third time now this season. That move made no sense in the offseason, by the way. I mean, Chris Bryant is a nice player, but paying him over, I think it was $200 million, that was a clear overpay. What are they doing? Seriously. And they made no moves. They had a pizza party 
Like Herman Marquez. I've just been beating the drum this offseason. You're never going to get a higher value. They held on to him. You're telling me somebody wouldn't give you something for Herman Marquez because you're going to suck the rest of this year. You're going to stink next year too. There's no reason to hang on to Marquez. Why is Chad Cool still here? I mean, could they literally? Maybe they could literally get nothing, and they needed to have somebody eating up some innings. Maybe. Why is Jose Iglesias here? There, there's literally no reason for Jose Iglesias to be here. I know the bullpen's horrible. A couple of the pieces in the bullpen have had decent seasons, so I don't think it's getting talked about enough. So I'm definitely bringing it up here. It's an absolute joke. Travis Shamacher. I do not blame you there. I mean, heck, Randall Gritchick would be a nice piece for oh, someone. Man, I mean, I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan. The Brewers needed a bat. They didn't wind up getting one. I mean, the Colorado Rockies, they've got plenty of guys that they probably aren't going to be around for too long. Someone could have made a deal somewhere out there. The farm system, not so great with the Rockies. So I am right there with you there. And it did feel like some of the moves that we did wind up seeing over the last 48 or so hours, some of them didn't wind up making sense. Like, I don't know about you, Holden, but you know what the Blue Jays really needed? A starting pitcher because you say Kikuchi and Jose Barrios pitching in a playoff series, yeah. not good. What do they wind up getting? Whit Merrifield. I mean, why do you need Whit Merrifield? I have no idea why they wind up making that move. So, I mean, there were some front offices that, I mean, clearly with the San Diego Padres, they put their put their chips in the middle. I commend them for those moves. Greg. I like the Whit Merrifield deal. I do. Now, do I like it that that's the only upgrade they had? Really, no. But, I mean, the guy can play a whole bunch of positions. He can steal a base once in a while for you. I mean, this was not anything that was going to be earth-shattering. I like picking him up, though. I know he's getting older. He hasn't been very productive this year. But I think you put him in a good lineup there, let him play his role, play a whole bunch of different positions. The problem is you wanted to see them bolster it elsewhere. So I didn't mind the Whit deal like you did. The reason why I minded it is because you needed a starting pitcher. Tyler Molly winds up going to the Minnesota yeah. Twins. That guy would have been able to do a pretty solid job out there in Toronto, in my opinion, because you take a look at a guy like Molly, and whenever he pitches in a ballpark that isn't Cincinnati, he's been relatively solid the last two seasons. That would have been something that would have made sense. The fact that nobody wound up trading for Cole Irvin or Paul Blackburn either. That was a little bit befuddling. I recognize yeah. that Irvin has been not necessarily as great away from Oakland, but Paul Blackburn, some of the most interesting splits you ever see, north of 8 ERA in Oakland and a sub-2 ERA on the road because something that we've talked about in our chats here, Holden, is how pitcher-friendly Oakland is, yeah. and yet here's Paul Blackburn with a sub-2 ERA on the road and a north of 8 ERA at home. I don't know if you can make any sense of it, but it's one of the most interesting splits I've ever seen in my life. I cannot make any sense of it whatsoever. And I guess when we talk about dealing guys, somebody has to play innings for your team, right? Somebody has to pitch innings for your team. You need, you could take, but you still have to have somebody there. So unless you're getting blown away for some of the players, you're going to hold on to them. Unfortunately, the Rockies take that to the extreme here. But there are some good reasons from time to time. But that is one of the more, I did not even, I didn't even realize that. You just taught me that lesson. Spectacular. I do appreciate it. We are giving out lessons here on the Baseball Betting Show as well. Hey, Paul Blackburn, going to be a little bit of an underdog. Yeah, hold again. on. Say this one more time, Peterson. Say it again. One more time. Give me that stat again. Paul Blackburn, north of an 8 ERA at home in Oakland, yeah. a sub-2 ERA yeah. on the road. I did not know that. I didn't know it was that extreme. You know, I play daily fantasy, so it's like, all right, Blackburn, home, let's go get it. But I, I didn't know it was an 8. That is yeah, I mean, it's insane. insane. 
That like, has you, to balance out. There's no way. That's an aberration. That's got to be an aberration. I agree with you because, I mean, if it would be the exact opposite, it would still be to the extreme, but you'd be like, ah, oh, Oakland, very pitcher-friendly ballpark. He's probably pitching a lot of these 7 p.m. local time for his pitches. The ball's staying mm-hmm. in the yard. You can make a little bit of sense of it. I can make no sense of this one, though. So that has been very fascinating to take a look at it. He is going to be on the road facing off against the LA Angels on Thursday. And we do have a pretty interesting card that's going to be going down. We've talked quite a bit about the Rockies and the Padres. Once again, you've got Joe Musgrove as about a minus 290 to a minus 295 favorite, as I'm seeing it right now. I think we're both in agreement. This is not a spot to take the money line. If you're looking to back the Padres, find a way to reduce the juice, whether it be the run line, Joe Musgrove to pick up a win, one of those sorts of things, because laying minus 290, it's not going to work out for you long term. But is there anything else that you're looking at in terms of Thursday, whether it be from a betting perspective or just taking a look at one of these guys in general, as we do have a few guys making their debuts with teams like Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. I say Kitana is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. Anything really uh, catching your eye for Thursday? Uh, stolen bases against Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> Where are we here? <laughs> we go look it up. What do we got? Who do we got for the Nationals that can steal? Paulo Espino. All right. There you go. Put put a bet down on Paulo Espino to get a stolen base. <laughs> Just seriously, I got a buddy that I work with. He broke the algorithm over at one of the sports books because in same game parlays, you could bet stolen bases. And any time Thor was on the mound, you just like Acuna and Dansby Swanson, Acuna and this. And you'd throw these parlays and they'd be like 13,000 to one on a three stolen base parlay. The algorithm was all screwed up. But that's when I started to learn, oh, anytime Syndergaard's on the mound. So dig into that. Go get yourself a stolen base in that game. Anytime Syndergaard's on the mound, do it. You're going to get him a plus money too. Big plus money. Yep, and with Noah Thor Syndergaard, he's had his swing and miss stuff be way down this year as well. So he has been allowing quite a few guys to be able to get on base. Good news for him is that the command certainly has been there. And for the Washington Nationals, it's not going to be a case in which you're going to be winning too many games the rest of the season. But, hey, you're that's able to get nice. them at a little bit north of $2. So that should be able to help a little bit as well. But, Holm, I know that you're doing a great job. Taking a look at the game of baseball, you do a great job for both a betting and a daily fantasy perspective. And you're a man that I know that you took a look at everything that we wanted getting the last few days in the trade deadline sort of period. And I know you're going to be turning it forward. And I know you're also preparing for what is going to be a big, big football season as well. And on top of that, we've got the Denver City cast, which you do an amazing job with. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that's on tap for you. This is it. I thought it was going to be like an hour. I got 22 minutes with Greg Peterson. Oh, boy. You're getting big time on me. Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Tim Patrick went down. You got to start, you know, seeing how that is going to, how much can a wide receiver two end up affecting a, a season long props? So I looked into that a little bit today. Week one for the Broncos and the Seahawks in Seattle. Get a little movement now. It was four, then four and a half, and it just got to five. So there's uh, some money coming in, a lot of money coming in on the Broncos in that game. Then I'm sure we'll get into a million other things. Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. You ever betting um, on a Colorado team, Denver team, or against, or you're just interested? Check it out. And I'm sure that you've got even more thoughts that you lent with me about what the Colorado Rockies have been doing in terms of the front office. As well, no, that was it, Greg. I saved it for you. 
I um, appreciate it because I did not know that they were the only team that did not wind up making a deal at the deadline. Yeah, that was no, something that I wound up learning from you, much like you learned from me about how Bob Blackburn has had some of the most interesting splits in the history of baseball. Yeah, uh, I would say mine was a little better than yours, but that's okay. We both taught each other something very important tonight. On a scale of 1 to 10, both of those wind up getting at least an 8. So I do think that both wound up being very valuable nuggets. And hey, the Denver Nuggets are out there as well. And Holden does a great job being able to break them down during the basketball season as well, if you saw what I wound up doing there. Uh, bet the Nationals and bet a uh, stolen base for somebody. That's it. Yeah. Paolo Espino. Uh, Paolo Espino's on the mound, and Paolo Espino's going to keep him in the game. I'm going to laugh. Hey, if Paolo <laughs> Espino winds up getting a stolen base, I'm what sure that it'll pay quite well. Plus 275. Plus, by the way, these guys are trying still. They were down 9 nothing or 9-2. They went out there and put up three runs late. These dudes are trying still. Like Lane Thomas is still trying. I love it. I, that's it. I already got that. I'm putting that bet in too. Nationals. I, the one Victor thing Robles, I will, the one thing this. I will say about that though is that I mean, even though the front offices are tanking, always keep in mind these are guys that are desperate for jobs. These are guys whose livelihoods are on the line. Even if the front office is tanking, the guys on the field are still going to give you an honest effort. Victor Robles stolen base. I'll probably end up taking the Nationals money line. Just out of spite again. We're just going to keep rolling with these bets. It was the Mariners' first five against Garrett Cole. It's this one. That's it, Peterson. Let's just let's keep going with it. I'm not going to overthink this too much. It's not going to be blind betting, but it'll be betting numbers, right? We love betting numbers, don't we? Absolutely. You aren't betting teams. You are betting numbers. And the Colorado Rockies at plus 250, it might wind up being a little bit grody, but I have a feeling that that one is calling my name as well. And what always calls my name is a great chat with Holm because I need us an absolutely amazing job. You come in for the great content. You stay for the laughs. Holden provides him both whenever he's on this podcast and did so once again today. A big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Holden Kushner on the show. He does a great job with our Denver City Cast, something that we do over here at Beeson, taking a look at sports from a local perspective, how to be able to wager in on some of your favorite teams. Holden does a great job over there in Denver. We've got New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, lots of the major cities out there in the United States covered. And then on top of that, Rumpier Bets and Rumpier Sports. Holden does a great job taking a look at them from both a betting and a DFS perspective. So big thanks to him for joining me in the live segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it. So it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we are not going to be having any interleague games, as it looks like as of right now. So that'll be able to keep things a little bit neater and cleaner as well. So let's begin with this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They're on the road. They're facing up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. As Zach Thompson is going to be going for the Buckos. And Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the crew and the Brewers. They find themselves very sizable favorites. Anywhere between minus 230 and minus 245, plus 205 to plus 210. Your price on Pittsburgh, 7.5 is the total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. Made the Brewers minus 238 on the money line, which means that I need at least a plus 238 to take the grody Pirates here. But bigger thing is the run line. Right now, you're finding it with the Brewers anywhere between minus 140 to a minus 145. I was willing to lay pretty much up to a minus 150 in the spot. Set it officially at a minus 154. And with Woodruff, ever since he has come off the injured list, he has been a new man. Prior to him going on the injured list, it had been not necessarily the world's greatest run of things for the Milwaukee Brewers with him on the mound, but ain't ever since then he has been lights out. His strikeouts per nine rate is going sky high, right around 11.5 punch outs per nine innings, and ever since he has come off the injured list, it's been six total starts, and he has allowed, I believe, now eight runs. So, I mean, he has been able to do a masterful job now. He has been giving out a few walks, did wind up giving up a combined 11 walks in his last four starts, but last two times against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a combined 12 innings, giving up three total runs in his last time on the road in Pittsburgh. He wound up winning 2-0 because he wound up being able to deliver six scoreless innings. Zach Thompson on the flip side, starting to give up the deep ball for the Pittsburgh Pirates as he's got a home runs per nine rate right around a 1.5 walks per nine. That's in the neighborhood about a 3.5 and for Zach Thompson. Overall, this season hasn't been too bad since April, but we wound up seeing things manifest themselves in July where he wound up having a 6.33 ERA as for our good friend, Mr. Thompson, he has a lot of combined 14 runs in his last two starts with 20 total hits. So, guys are seeing him well now with the Milwaukee Brewers. They really don't have a lot of guys that do a good job of being able to just be that solid on-base guy. But you do have a little bit of balance in this lineup as Andrew McCutcheon, Colt Wong, Christian Yelich, all these guys hanging between about a 253 to a 265. You do have a pair of guys, William Adams, Roddy Tellis, that entered into the game yesterday with 21 bombs on a Renfro. He's been able to give you a home run every about 13 to 14 at bats. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you just don't have a lot in the lineup right now. Kevin Newman has been able to do 80. And you do have a pair of guys, and Brian Reynolds and Ben Gamble, both with between about a 325 to a 335 on base. Reynolds has been able to go deep 15 times. But I mean, really, Pascal Brian Ace, who's hitting right around 245. It's 
it's a pretty bad lineup as you've got a lot of guys like Oniel Cruz, you're able to throw in there Cal Mitchell, Gregory Allen, Yoshi Satsugo, Blind Madres. They're hitting a 220 or lower. Tyler Heineman is in there as well. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tyler Beatty wound up giving them one and a third innings in his start yesterday. So you've got a bullpen that has all sorts of tags. And you do have a couple nice pieces in the bullpen as, yeah, Will Crow's been able to do a good job with this team. They are now without David Benar, though. That winds up hurting them. Will Crow's able to give you multiple innings. Yohan Ramirez to be able to do a nice job. But, man, losing some of those bullpen pieces, that's not great. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Devin Williams is now the closer for the team. But I think that this could be such a big blowout that you're not going to need him. You've got Brad Boxberger, Holby Milner giving you a sub-3 ERA. Brent Suter has had a relatively rough season thus far, but has been able to round into form a little bit more over his last 30 days. Has been able to post up right around at 270 ERA, so things have been shaping up a little bit for him. I think that this should be domination here from the Milwaukee Brewers and the Pirates. They're just not trotting out there in MLB lineup right now. They wind up saying my total at a 7.4 year to 7.5 looking under and looking at the Brewers on the run line. 953-954 on the banking board. The LA Dodgers made the face off against the San Francisco Giants. Jacob Junis is going to be going for the Giants and Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for LA. Los Angeles is anywhere between minus 195 and minus 210 favorites. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Giants, it's anywhere between plus 175 and plus 185 with your total on this game. Eight under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Needed at least a plus 178 to take a shot on the Giants and we have been able to get there. Plus 180 to plus 185 is mostly what I'm seeing right now and I mean with Jacob Junis, it's not been a bad year for him. He's got a 278 ERA, has been a little bit banged up, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. Now, he has actually been worse at home rather than on the road. 355 home ERA compared to a seventy eight on the road with five out of his seven home runs coming at home as San Francisco has actually become a little bit more hitter-friendly over the years. But for Clayton Kershaw, he's had his struggles recently as well, giving up a combined nine runs over the course of nine and two-thirds innings in his last two starts. One of them on coming against the Giants where he wanted giving up four runs in four and a third innings at home post All-Star break. So a little bit of an issue there. Obviously a big-time rivalry matchup. And with Kershaw, he's actually been a little bit better on the road thus far this season rather than at home. Opponents are still hitting right around about a 217 to a 218 off of him. And playing Kershaw, still able to give you a little bit over nine punch outs per nine innings. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Jacob Junis, be able to give you more runs of an half punch outs per nine innings. And with the Giants, the big trepidation that you've got with the team, the bullpen has not been good this season. Camilo Duvall, Jarlon Garcia, John Brabia, they've all got ERAs are sub 3-4, but Dominique Leon over the last three days, North of an ADRA, Tyler Rogers looked like he was starting to be able to pick it up. His ERA is north of a 5-5 over the last three days as well, but with the San Francisco Giants, they did wind up holding on to Jack Peterson. Brahm has been, he's been quite a bit banged up recently, so has been a tad bit of an issue for him, but Wilmer Flores, He's been able to deliver the team 16 home runs as far this season as he, Yerman Mercedes, both hitting between about a 250 to a 255. Austin Slater, Luis Gonzalez, both hitting above a 275. Need a little bit more out of some of your young guns as you've had guys like Joey Bart wind up hitting below the middle line of 200. Bryce Johnson is now getting some at-bats for this team. They did wind up picking up J.D. Davis. That should be able to help out lineup a little bit. And for the Dodgers, they do have this team outgunned with regards to their lineup as you've got Will Smith, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman all giving you between 15 and 17 home runs. Freeman hitting a 325 as by Magnificent. And Mookie Betts, in my opinion, needs a little bit more love for MVP as well. Hitting a 270, 24 bombs. He does it all for this team. But you do have a couple guys that you need to pick it up. Like 
your guys in Max Muncy, Austin Barnes, and Cody Bellinger in a 215 or lower. And for the LA Dodgers, it's really been the unsung pieces in the bullpen that have been the best for the team. Yancey Almonte, Evan Phillips, both are posting up a sub-250 ERA. Alex Vasilla has been able to give you some good innings. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell still rocking a 425 ERA. Has that been too trustworthy ever since Blake Trine has been out of the fold, it's been a little bit more hit or miss with regards to the Dodgers bullpen, but Caleb Ferguson has been able to give you some nice innings as well. Certainly, I do think that Clayton Kershaw should be a little bit of a favorite in this spot, but being able to get north of plus 180 on the San Francisco Giants, that's where I'm going to be taking a look at, and I do think that the Giants, a team that has been able to get to Kershaw in recent years, are going to be able to do so once again, and I do think that a Giants bullpen that's been not so great going to allow some runs to the Dodgers as well, so my total at an 8.1, so you're at the 8, looking over and looking at the Giants. 9.55 956 on the bang board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They are on the road facing off against the Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the pods, and Kyle Freeland is on the bump for Colorado. Colorado is a big underdog. Any between plus 240, seeing as high as a plus 255. Meanwhile, with the pods, you're going to be finding them and between minus 285 and minus 295. With your total on this game, 7.5 over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Talked about this with our good friend Olden Kushner, and I do think that the Padres should be a sizable favorite here. I set them as a minus 240 favorite, but I mean, we're getting up north of 250 right now. This is a play for me on the Colorado Rockies. If you've been taking these north of $2 underdogs, you've been able to come out successful. And for Kyle Freeland, he's been a relatively respectable pitcher on the road. 555 home area, but a 357 area on the road. Now the Colorado Rockies, we're going to get to it in a second. Their home and road split's not great, but for Freeland, four home runs given up in 53 innings on the road. Strike guys per nine rate goes up to right around 7.5. Opponents starting at 235 off of him. He's able to deliver a relatively solid start. And for Joe Musgrove, he began the year just absolutely smoldering out each out of his first 12 starts. Want to giving up two runs or fear went six plus innings, but he's now given up four plus runs in two out of his last three starts, so things are starting to regress a little bit on Joe Musgrove. Now Musgrove still doing an incredible job this year. 265 ERA, 229 at home with giving up right around about 0.85 home runs per nine innings. His blocks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about two, so I mean he's been able to do a solid job, but with the Colorado Rockies, Big thing for this team, just being able to get a deep ball or two to go their way because it's a Rocky team that thus far this season, they're averaging right around 0.6 home runs per game when they are on the road. You take a look at CJ Crone, and he's got 22 home runs thus far this season, and on the road, he's had just six of them, and on the road, he's sitting right in the neighborhood about a 225. Meanwhile, that's right around a 325 when he is at home. Brandon Rogers, he's got 10 bombs, only one of them was coming on the road going into yesterday, but you've got Jonathan Daza sitting at 300 for the team. Randall Kritchik has been able to move the line and for the San Diego Padres. You know, Von Soto in the fold. That winds up making this line a very, very formidable as he and Brandon Drury, before getting to San Diego, 20-plus home runs apiece. Manny Machado sitting at 290 with 18 home runs, but you did wind up seeing Manny Machado really slow down in the month of July as in July, you wound up giving the team six home runs, but you also wound up hitting right around a 202. so that's a bit of an issue. Drixon Profar has been able to do a nice job moving the line, and for the Padres, they now have Josh Hader in the bullpen when fully right, he could be the best closer out there in the big leagues, but you also have to get him the ball as well. Steven Wilson, I mean, he's been okay this season, posting up right around 390 ERA, but you want to have a little bit more confidence in him. Luis Garcia's on SA, but too terrific. And for the Colorado Rockies, Alex Colme will give you a sub 3.5 ERA. Daniel Bart has been a lights out closer for this team. Lucas Gilbreth is a very interesting guy. You take a look at what he's done at home 237 home ERA, 467 on the road. And you do have a lot of these bullpen pitchers having pretty demonstrative home and road splits as well. And should the Padres be a favorite here? 
absolutely, we've gone too far here. I'm willing to take the plus 250 with the Colorado Rockies, and I do mind up saying my total is 7.3. Rockies, they have a tough time being able to score on the road, right around 5.5 runs per game at home, right around 3.2-ish on the road, and I do think that that's going to continue. So, looking at the 7.5 under and looking at the Mundo number here with the Colorado Rockies. As we go 957, 958 on the betting board, we've got the Washington Nationals on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Phils, and Paulo Espino is going to be on the bump for the Nationals. The Nationals are finding themselves as sizable underdogs, as you're going to be getting them anywhere between plus 195 and plus 205. Meanwhile, with the Phillies, getting them between minus 230 and minus 240 with a total of 9 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I do think that we went a little bit too far with this total. I set mine at an 8.4, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I needed at least a plus 205 to be able to take a shot on the Washington Nationals, and we have certainly been able to get there. No love loss for Noah Thorson Guardi as face off against the Nationals. Plenty as you wound up pitching for the New York Mets back in the day, but you take a look at Syndergaard and the way that he's pitched away from Los Angeles this year, not great. 1-6 record, 5-17 ERA. Now, fortunately, he's going to be backed by a team not named the LA Angels, so that should be able to help him out, but Bonnets had a 289 off of him with four home runs and 31 and a third innings when he was away from LA, so I do think that that could wind up being a little bit of an issue. Now, an issue for Paulo Espino is that he's just not as effective when he winds up being a starter rather than coming out of the bullpen because this this guy was absolutely lights out coming out of the bullpen. You take a look at his last five starts, and all of a sudden he's starting to give up the deep balls. He has allowed seven home runs over the course of 21 and two thirds inning. And with Paulo Espino, I mean, we wound up seeing it last year as well. When he wound up getting meaningful starts, he was giving up a right around 1.5, 1.6 home runs per nine innings. He had an ERA that was barely above two when he was coming out of the bullpen. You take a look at his role as a starter, and this winds up ballooning as it winds up going up to a 495. So, and it's something that you do want to take note of 11 home runs in 40 innings in his starts, by the way. And for the Washington Nationals, we're going to call it what it is. It's not a great bullpen. But if you take a look over the last 45 days, it's been right around league average. As Carl Edwards Jr., he has been able to give the team right around a 3 ERA. Kyle Finnegan, he's a proud veteran. He's seen his ERA go south of a 3-5. Hunter Harvey has been able to give you some good innings. I don't know if all these guys are going to be able to maintain. But, I mean, with Washington Nationals, even though the front office is tanking, I threw this in there with our good friend Holden Kushner because I think that it is true. These are still guys that they are fighting for their next deal. They're going to give you a good, honest effort. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's not been necessarily a, the world's greatest lineup for this bunch. As you do have Alec Bohm, he's been able to 295 for this team. And, I mean, the way that Kyle Schwarber has been able to go yard this year has been absolutely tremendous as well. But with Kyle Schwarber, he's sitting in the pocket about a 205 to a 210 as well. So, you do need him to be able to shape up a little bit more with that regard. You still have quite a few guys that would be able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get on base. Nick Cassianos, for example, he's been able to give you right around 255 batting average, but he's still stuck on eight home runs. JT Ryumuto, Derek Hall, Reese Hoskins, all these guys are also hitting between about a 247 to 260 with Hoskins being able to supply the deep ball, being able to give the team 20 home runs, but it's been less than impressive for this Phillies lineup. They do wind up bringing in David Robertson to be able to fortify that bullpen, and you still have quite a few guys that are relatively solid for the team right hand. Sir Anthony Dominguez, both of these guys have been able to really do a solid job all season long in that bullpen. Jose Alvarado, though, and that's each of trustworthy Connor Brogdon. He's been able to give you some nice innings. I do think that the Washington Nationals certainly should be an underdog with the way that their lineup is performing right now, but I mean, since they've traded away once, Soto, Long, Josh Bell, he combined 10 runs in two games. Are they going to be able to maintain that? 
No, because even with those two guys in the fold, they were dead last in the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, but still if guys are able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get on base, as you've got Cesar Hernandez, Lane Thomas, along Victor Robles, all in between about a 230 to a 240. You've got Yadi Hernandez and a 270, and for Thomas, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. Luis Garcia has been able to move the line for the team, so getting north of $2 here with the Washington Nationals, I don't hate it, so myself and only it looks like we've got a mutual play here. I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price with Washington Nationals, even at least at 205 there, and I do wind up saying my total at an 8.4, so looking under to go along with that plus price as we go 959-960 on the bank board. The Atlanta Braves at third faceoff against the New York Metropolitans as Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Metropolitans, and you've got Guy Wright open to me, Mr. Wright. For the Atlanta Braves, your total on this game is 8 over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even to minus 110. With the Mets, you're getting them between minus 115 and minus 120. Even money to plus 105 is your price on Atlanta. And I wound up setting Atlanta as the favorite in this spot, right around about a minus 125. I really like the way that Kyle Wright has been able to perform this season. He is coming in on one of his best runs of the year as he's been overall giving up right around 0.8 runs per nine innings. But Two runs or fewer surrendered in now four out of his last five starts, and the one where he wound up giving up more than that, he wound up giving up three runs. And as a matter of fact, Kyle Wright has made 11 starts since the beginning of the month of June. The team is 10-1 and in these starts. Now, if you're looking to take like some sort of an alternate run line or something like that, I believe that three of these wound up coming by one run, but the Atlanta Braves have been able to do a tremendous job when Wright has been on the mound. And for Wright, he's got better road numbers than home numbers. 305 home ERA, 272 ERA on the road, giving up just three bombs over the course of 43 innings when he has been on the road. Strikeouts per nine rate has been solid with him right around nine punch outs per nine innings. And then for Carlos Carrasco, he certainly has been able to do a better job at home rather than on the road, 330 home ERA, 441 ERA on the road, giving up four home runs in 62 innings at home, seven bombs and 49 on the road. So certainly something to take a look at. Carrasco has been able to do a nice job, be able to hold guys on as well, right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. So you do take a look at this Mets lineup and you got some firepower out there as you've got a guy by the name of Pete Alonso who currently leads the league in RBI, 28 home runs. That has been incredibly impressive. And Francisco Lindor is back. He's got over 70 RBIs for Lindor. He, Marcana, Brandon Nimmo, you're able to throw in there. Alonso as well. Only between about a 262 to a 276. Luis Galorme has been able to move the line. Jeff McNeil, Sterling Marte, both hitting right around a 300 as well. And Daniel Vogelback, ever since he got to town. Small sample size, but he's been able to above a 300. The Mets don't have quite the bullpen that the Atlanta Braves do, in my opinion. They did wind up picking up Michael Givens at the trade deadline. And Ed Bonavino has been relatively solid, but Julie Rodriguez is a little bit of an album. Albatross for the team. Edwin Diaz has been lights out in the ninth inning, but you've got to get the ball to him in the ninth inning for the Braves. They did wind up trading away Jesse Chavez, but if they're able to pretty much re-acclimate Rossio Iglesias, that is going to be absolutely massive for them. They wind up having A.J. Minter do a solid job all season long. Colin McHugh is able to give you multiple innings. Tyler Manzik is fresh off the injured list. He has been looking relatively solid for this team as well, so I do think that there's some good things to be had with the Atlanta Braves. I think that Kyle Wright, just quite frankly, the better pitcher than Mr. Carrasco, especially when he's backed up by a lineup that has been absolutely magnificent for the Atlanta Braves. You take a look at what you're getting out of Austin Riley right now, and overall, he's hitting a 300 with 29 home runs this season, but you take a look at the last three days, entering into the game that we wound up seeing yesterday, hitting a 406 with 9 home runs in 96 at-bats. He would right now get my vote for MVP because he has been that impressive. Dansby Swanson 
Hamilton has been able to 300. He's been able to supply 15 home runs. Marcelo Zuna has been able to pump out 19 bombs. Ronald Cunha Jr. is able to move the line whenever you need William Contreras. He and Travis Arno, both behind the dish, have been able to do a nice job as well. So I do think that you've got relatively solid value here with the Atlanta Braves getting a plus price. I'm going to be taking a look at that. Do you mind if saying my total in an 8.1? The Mets have been able to do a solid job with their offense. They're coming off of getting nine runs yesterday in that series finale against the Washington Nationals. So looking over and looking at the Atlanta Braves. 961-962 on the bank board. The Chicago Cubs at third faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals. Jose Quintana is going to be going for the Cardinals and Marcus Stroman is on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs are between a plus 125 to a plus 135 underdog. Between minus 145 and minus 150 is your price on St. Louis. Eight is your total. Under sending between minus 115 and seeing as high as a minus 130, which means that the over, that is sending between plus 110 and minus 105. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.7, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under. A little bit more bullish on Jose Quintana in start number one. I did wind up setting him as a minus 165 favorite. Now, with Jose Quintana, his ERA winds up jumping by a little bit more than a point and a half when he is away from Pittsburgh, but overall has been able to do a solid job. You do fear the regression monster a little bit because he does have a 350 ERA and has been giving up quite a bit of contact, nearly nine hits per nine innings, but his fielding independent actually better than his ERA thus far this season. He's done a nice job holding the ball in the yard, giving up right around a half home run per nine innings. After last year, he had five blocks per nine innings. That's back down to a 2.7, getting nearly eight strikeouts per nine innings. Jose Quintana is coming into St. Louis in very good form, and for Marcus Stroman, he was not necessarily great before going on the injured list, but ever since he's come off of it, he's been able to lend some relatively solid starts. Big thing for Stroman is that he has actually been significantly better away from Wrigley Field. He has just drawn the wrong days to pitch at Wrigley. Wind is typically blowing out and things of that nature, so he's got a 794 ERA at home, but a 2 ERA on the road, giving up to two home runs over the course of 45 innings at opponents in a 217 off of him, so going to be very fascinating to see what winds up happening there for the St. Louis Cardinals. Big thing is they are now backed up by a little bit of a better bullpen, as this is going to be a game that is actually going to be a double dip as well, so I'll dive into the next game in a second. You've got to figure that we're still going to get Stroman versus Jose Quintana, but because the game on Wednesday wound up getting postponed, you've got to figure that we are also going to wind up getting Justin Steele and Miles Michaelis in one of the other games as well. Like I said, dive into that in a second, but with Mr. Jose Quintana, he is going to be backed up by a lineup that has been able to do an amazing job as Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. These guys have a combined 45 bombs this season. Goldschmidt, right now the odds on favorite to be able to win National League MVP with his 4-12 on base, but that's that. Tommy Edmond, north of 20 stolen bases. He won you pass whenever he's been out there as he's been a little bit banged up. Dylan Carlson, only between about a 250 to a 255. No more Harrison Bader in the fold, but he was quite banged up. And Donovan, whenever he's been out there, he's been able to do a solid job as well. You're going to need someone like Tyler O'Neill to be able to pick it up a little bit more, but Nolan Gorman already multiple multi-home run games as far as the season. And then for the Chicago Cubs, you still have quite a few of your matchers in this fold as well. Many people thought that Wilson Contreras was going to move, get moved at the deadline. He did not, as he has been able to give the team right around a 370 on base, 14 home runs. Patrick Wisdom, well on his way to north of 200 strikeouts this season, but has been able to supply the boom. He's got 19 home runs thus far this season. Then, past that, you've got someone like an Ian App, 
Many people thought that he might get moved, but he, P.J. Higgins, the backup catcher, both right around a 355 on base. Christopher Morrell has been a little bit banged up, but he's hitting right around 265. Deco Horner hitting nearly a 300 as well for the Cubs, even though the bullpen is a little bit more depleted. You still have out there a couple of solid pieces. Eric Uman, he has been able to step up for the team. Anderson Espinosa has not been too terrible when he's been out there right around a 3-ish ERA, but missing guys like a David Robertson, Scott Efres, who are really big pieces, and why the Cubs wound up having really a top six bullpen in terms of ERA over the last 45 days. That is going to hurt them. Meanwhile, for the Cardinals, they still have out there Ryan Helsley with his sub one ERA. Giovanni Gallegos has been solid. Genesis Cabrera is able to give you multiple innings. Sub three ERA. Packy Naughton has been solid for this bunch as well. They did wind up having to trade away Juan Oviedo, but still a very solid bullpen. So I'm willing to lay up to a minus 165 with the Cardinals. Going to be looking at them on the money line rather than the run line just because I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. Did wind up saying my total is 7.7 which means a 7.5 or less going to be looking at an over 8 or higher to the under so at an 8 would be looking at an under and then in terms of the other game you got to figure that this is going to be slotted in at 975-976 at the bottom of the board because Cubs versus Cardinals now a double dip I would have to think that we're going to get Justin Seal versus Miles Michaelis once again and when it came to Seal versus Michaelis I did feel like Mr. Justin Steele was getting a little bit undervalued. I was willing to take anything north of plus 155 with the Cubs in that spot and when it wound up getting taken off the board, you're finding the Cubs between plus 160 and plus 165 on the Cardinals. You're finding them more in the neighborhood about a minus 170, seeing as high as a minus 180 with a total of 8 and I did wind up making this total to where I would be taking a look at the 8 under. I wound up saying this total also to where a 7 half or less would be taking a look at an over and an 8 or higher would be taking a look at an under. Miles Michaelis has been able to do a very solid job all season long for this bunch, but he also is very much a pitch of contact guy. He's only going to give you right around seven punch outs per nine innings for Miles Michaelis. Has been a little bit touch and go from recently as well. Has been able to put together a very nice season, but did wind up giving up six runs in his start on the road against the Cincinnati Reds about a week or so as well, and he's given up at least one home run in four out of his last five starts, so he's been getting touched up a little bit. He's been better at home, 231 home ERA compared to a 341 ERA on the road, and does not walk a lot of guys. Only giving up right around two walks per nine innings. And then on the flip side, as I'm doing this podcast, it looks like we're not going to be getting Justin Steele. It is a big old TBD for the Cubs, and if it winds up being a bullpen game rather than taking a look at a plus price like we were seeing with the Cubs when it was right around a plus 160, this is probably going to be at least a 25-cent downgrade with regards to the Cubs. It might wind up being actually bigger, as it looks like it's going to be Stroman against Michaelis, and I would probably be setting the Cubs to where I'd be willing to take a plus price right around about a plus 150 or so, and for the Cubs against Jose Quintana, it's going to be a little bit more grody there, because when it comes down to it with the Cubs, you really don't have a lot of starting pitchers that aren't available for the team. They want trotting out there someone like Caleb Killian a little bit earlier this season. He was clearly not set for the big league, so I mean, in the case of like Stroman versus Michaelis, I would need at least about a plus 155-ish to be able to take a shot on Stroman. Might actually be closer to about a plus 160 and the total would not really be changing too much. A 7.5 or less to the over is where I'd be looking at or higher to the under when it comes to the Cubs against Kitana because that's where the bullpen game is going to be coming into play. I'd probably be setting them about 30 to 35 cents less than we wanted seeing with Marcus Stroman a little bit earlier, but again, check back in the morning at GNNR Squared E1 as, as I record this. Currently, big old TBD for the Cubs against Kitana. We go 963-964 on the bang board. The Oakland A's. They throw it face off against the LA Angels as Jansen Junk 
Hoping to not be sent to the dumpster by the Angels and Paul Blackburn walks the blank for the Oakland A's. Oakland anywhere between even money and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking to bet on junk, you have to lay minus 120 on junk, and your total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the 8.5. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even, and I wound up setting my total very low in this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the under as I want to make in this one a 7.7 because the Angels still dealing with the injury to our good friend Mike Trout, which means that the lineup not necessarily so terrific, and for the Oakland A's, they just haven't been able to hit all season long, and that has manifested itself. The lineup has actually been a little bit better when they have been on the road, but we want to blank it out with our good friend Holden out, pitcher-friendly Oakland A's, but you do take a look at the lineup that Oakland wound up trotting out there on Wednesday, and you wound up having a trio of guys in Sean Murphy. You're able to throw in their Elvis Andrews and Chad Pinder, all in between about a 242 to a 244, and Seth Brown has been able to get the team 15 home runs, hitting right around 230, but certainly you need a little bit more out of guys like a we're going to throw in their Jed Lowry, Sky Bold, Vimeo Machine. I mean, out of those three guys, they're all hitting below a 225 with two of them hitting below a buck 85 going into yesterday. And for the LA Angels, you do have Taylor Ward at Jer- Jared Walsh, both giving you 13 home runs. Walsh has been hanging about a 235 and Ward right around 275. But Ward hasn't necessarily been himself since coming off the injury list, starting to shape up a little bit over the last three days. So, hitting a buck 92, that's not necessarily too terrific. Luis Ranifo, though, he's been able to hit a 275. Shoei Otani, 22 bombs. He's hitting a 255. But Max Sassy, along with Andrew Velasquez, Mangolia Sierra, not great. I do like their guy in Mickey Monick that they wanted picking up from the Phillies. I know that he was a chic pick from some people to be able to win Rookie of the Year this season, just was unable to put it together at the big league level, but I actually do think that they've got a little bit of upside there with the Angels. You saw Aaron Loop and Ryan Tapera out there in the bullpen, both of these guys. Not terrific, but they get Jimmy Hergett off of the injured list. That's right around a 3-5 ERA, but has been able to show some relatively solid stuff, and for the Oakland A's, it is a case in which you've got a very good bullpen for this team as Domingo Acevedo, A.J. Puck, Sam Mall, Zach Jackson, and all been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. I just cannot believe Paul Blackburn is going to be able to keep up these splits. So for Paul Blackburn, he's got an ERA on the road that is sub-2, and his ERA at home, north of an 8th. So overall this year, he's got a 4.15 ERA, giving up right around 1 home run per 9 innings. His walks per 9 rate has been right around 2.5. Pitch a contact guy that's going to give you a little bit over 7 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's been getting very unlucky at home. He's getting very lucky on the road. as He's given up just 2 home runs at 67 and a third innings on the road with opponents taking a 210 off of him when he's away from Oakland at 317 in Oakland. There's just no way that that winds up keeping up. So this is going to be one of these spots which I'm going to be banking on a little bit of negative regression on the road for Mr. Paul Blackburn. I did want to say my total had at 7.7 just because this Angels lineup. Not so great right now, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with the A's. Set them at a plus 122, one lay up to a minus 122 with the Angels. So, looking Angels and looking under. 965, 966 on the bank board. The Houston Astros are on the road facing up against the Cleveland Guardians. As you have Zach Polisak, who's going to be going for the Guardians, and Justin Verlander is on the bump for Houston. Houston is finding themselves in between a minus 184 to a minus $2 favorite, and between plus 160 and plus 170 is your price on Cleveland. 7.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 115. When it comes to Houston, I wound up saying them a minus 224 favorite was one layup to a minus 132 on the run line, and currently you're finding that 
at anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115. Very palatable number, in my opinion. Going to be taking a look at that with Justin Verlander. He is right now weaseled his way back into the Cy Young voting because Shane McClanahan wound up having a relatively bad start I time out, ironically enough, against the Cleveland Guardians. But, I mean, the season that Justin Verlander is putting together right now is absolutely masterful. Leads the league and wins with 14. Buck 81 ERA. Strikeouts per 9 rate is still at a 9. Houston has been a complete and utter bulldozer with him on the mound ever since the beginning of the month of May. This is a bunch that has went 13-2 in his starts. If you want to go all the way back to April, they're 14-2 and in his last 16 starts. I believe that they have had just two of these wins wind up coming by a single run, so they've been able to cover the run line in 12 out of his last 16. It has been very, very masterful to take a look at for Verlander. Oh, and Verlander has been able to do it on the road as well. Buck 93 home ERA, buck 72 ERA in the road. Long trepidation that you've got with Verlander giving up a little bit over a home run for nine innings on the road, but opponents on the road hitting a buck 52 off of them, and then Zach Plesak, a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy who's been getting right around 6.7 strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate, nothing too great, nothing too terrible, right around 1.25. The Guardians have had a little bit of a tough time with him on the mound going one and four in his last five starts. So I will say, for Plesak, he hasn't necessarily been pitching too terribly as he has given up three earned runs or fewer and now all but two out of his last 11 starts. So he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team at home. Three to a home ERA compared to a 531 ERA on the road. Problem for the Guardians is they have to go up against a Houston Astros bullpen that is number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA as you've got Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez, and Ryan Sanek all posting up a sub-230 ERA. Ryan Presley, so very solid for this team as well. Brian Abreu has been able to deliver some good innings. And all of a sudden for the Houston Astros, they've got reinforcements in their lineup as well as they wind up bringing in Christian Vasquez from the Boston Red Sox. I mean, prior to him coming along, they didn't really have anyone at the catcher spot that was able to hit. Now he's hitting a 275. That helps him out. Jordan Alvarez, he apparently gets four strikes on his at-bats. He's been able to give the team 30 home runs. He's got a 400 on base. Jeremy Pena, along with Alex Bregman, Alamendis Diaz, Kyle Tucker, all these guys in between about a 241 to a 256. 19 home runs for Tucker and Elamendi's Diaz under the radar has really been able to pick it up over the last three days. He's got a batting average of a 329, so that has been very solid for this team. Jose Altuve, he's been able to go deep for this team 19 times, hitting a 280. Trey Bumo Mancini goes deep in his first game for the Houston Astros as well, so they're locked and loaded. And then on the flip side for the Guardians, very much a team that is not generating a lot of home runs at home, although you do have Jose Ramirez. He's been able to give the team 21 bombs, 86 RBI. That has been very fun to take a look at. But take a look at the Cleveland Guardians overall for the season, and they only have 82 home runs. That winds up falling off a cliff when they're at home, as only 28 of these have on coming at home. But what you do have with the Guardians is a team that they just do a good job of being able to move the line, as you've got Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Amid Rosario, all hitting at least a 275 for this team. Once again, not a lot of power, but you guys got guys getting on in. For the Guardians, you have a relatively solid bullpen as Angel de los Santos has been able to provide a 3 ERA along Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe. It's been lights out for this team. James Karinchek needed a few appearances to be able to rein it in. He has, ever since coming off the injured list, really been able to rein it in. So that is good for this Guardians team. I think that's going to be low scoring, but I think that if the Astros wind up being able to put up three, even four runs, 
touchdowns. That's going to be more than enough to be able to cover the run line. I see a low-scoring game set by total at 7.3, so looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of Houston up to right around a minus 139.67.968 on the banging board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays, and Drew Hutchinson is on the bump for Detroit. Total of this game is 8. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Tampa Bay is anywhere between minus 165, minus 175 favorites between plus 145 and plus 158. Your price on Detroit. When it comes to the Tigers, needed at least a plus 178 to be able to take a shot here. If you're taking a look at this Tampa run line, you're finding it anywhere between even money and a minus 105. I was willing to go up to a minus 108 in this spot. So seeing the minus 105, pretty much max I'd be willing to lay, but I am willing to lay it. Jeffrey Springs has been able to do a very solid job as a starter for the Tampa Bay Rays team. He has given up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts as far this season. So it has been very stellar to take a look at and has now made 13 starts for this team. For Jeffrey Springs, relatively good swing and miss stuff. Nothing that's necessarily going to be like overboard, but still nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, below two walks per nine, keeping the ball in the yard, right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings. ERA does wind up going to 311 on the road, but fortunately he's going to be pitching in Detroit. And well, for one, it's a pitcher-friendly ballpark to start with. And two, the Detroit Tigers offense is absolutely brutal. We wound up seeing it on display yesterday against the Minnesota Twins. Three out of the four hits wound up coming out of Hero Castro. He's been able to do a nice job. He's hitting at 285, and then you have Victor Reyes, Miguel Cabrera, in between about a 272, 275. Under the radar, Riley Green has been a relatively solid pickup for the team as well as a prospect. But, I mean, you've got Javi Baez. They traded Robbie Grossman, or else he'd be on this list. They wind up sending down Spencer Torkelson to triple or else he'd be on this list. Tucker Barnard, Jamir Candelario, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, all hitting a 221 or lower for this team. It's a Detroit Tigers team that they've got as a collective 63 home runs. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo entering into Thursday, I believe. They've got like 69 home runs as a collective. It's just really embarrassing what we've been seeing on that front. But for the Detroit Tigers, they did wind up maintaining a lot of their bullpen pieces as you've still got Andrew Chafin doing a solid job for the team. Jose Cicero, ever since he's come off the injured list, has been solid. Alex Lang is giving you right around a three ERA. Been able to get some good innings as well. And William Peralta is fresh off the injured list. So these guys have been absolutely terrific. If you wind up getting into a closer spot, Gregory Soto is able to provide that. But as we know the Tampa Bay Rays, they always do a solid job with their bullpen as well as Jason Adam. He has been able to provide a sub 130 ERA for the team. They're able to get back JP Fire Eyes, and at some point that would be big. But you've got Jalen Beeks, Matt Weisler, along with Luke Bard, all giving you a 251 ERA or better. And all these guys are able to give you multiple innings. Brooks Rayleigh has been able to provide right around a 270 ERA as well for the race. It's going to be based around their pitching because they don't have a lot of hitting right now. You do have Randy Otto's Arena, who's been able to about a 250 for the season. Team G-Man Choi, right around 255, but for Choi, he's been able to do a nice job, be able to reach base, right around a 350 on base, Yandy Diaz, right around a 395 on base of his own, and they do pick up David Peralta, that should be able to help out with the power a little bit, because right now your leader in home runs is Isaac Paredes, the former Tiger, who has 14 home runs, and is sitting at 215 for the team, as he, you're able to throw in there, Rene Pinto, Luke Rayleigh, Vida LeBrujan, when he's been out there, Taylor Walls, all these guys have been hitting a 220 or lower, Roman Quinn, since he's been picked up, has been okay. Okay, but it's not necessarily an impressive Rays lineup. It has been a very impressive pitching staff. And for both of these teams, they rank at the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA. The Tigers, they rank in 
the top five. So I see a low-scoring game, and I do think that the Rays are going to be able to cover this run line because Drew Hutchinson, not necessarily the starter that you want out there for the Detroit Tigers, a 4.53 ERA. Has been better recently. Two runs of fear surrendered in three out of his last five starts, but you're also able to take the glass half-empty approach. At least four runs surrendered in two out of his last three starts as Hutchinson. He's got a ERA at home that is in the five range, 4.97 to be exact. Hasn't given up a lot of homers, giving up four home runs in 49 and two-thirds innings, but the four and a half walks per nine innings, that has been a little bit of an issue. So looking at the race on the run line, set my total at 7.3, so going to be diving under as well. 969-970 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays are on the road. They're facing off against the Minnesota Twins as Sonny Gray is going to be going for the Twins. And you know what? Alec Manoa is going to be on the mound for Toronto as Toronto is anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 125 favorite and between plus 105 and plus 112 is your price on Minnesota. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 7.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. And with Toronto, was willing to lay up to a minus 144 with them. For Toronto, Manoa, he has been absolutely amazing for this team and he's got really good home and road splits as well. We've actually seen Manoa wind up dipping his strikeouts per 9 rate quite significantly from his rookie year where it was well north of 10. Thus far this season, it's been more in the neighborhood of 8, but I would argue that it's allowed him to have much better command as his walks per 9 rate, that is in the neighborhood about 2-ish as well, but I mean on the road, 237 ERA compared to a 248 at home, doing a great job holding the ball in the air, giving up less than a home run per 9 innings in both environments as well, so that has been very beneficial for a Blue Jays team in which starting pitching has not necessarily been their forte and for Sonny Gray, he's been able to do a relatively solid job this season, but I think that there's got to be some concern with him. He has given up three plus runs and now three out of his last five starts. Last two starts have been solid. A combined 11 innings on the road against the Tigers and the Slam Diego Padres giving up two runs across both of those starts. But you do take a look at Sonny Gray in Minnesota this season. A 396 home area giving up five home runs in 38 and two thirds innings now for Gray. The accuracy has been relatively there for him as well, giving up in the neighborhood about 2.3 blocks per nine innings. Opponents and get 227 off of him, but swing and miss still. A little bit down, right around 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings, and this is a Toronto Blue Jays team that, I mean, I said it with Holden, I don't know what Merrifield really does for this lineup, but it's still a really, really good lineup as Lourdes Gurriel, Alejandro Kirk, both of these guys are above a 300, Flagger Jr., a man with a 360 on base, 21 bombs for this team, Taz Hernandez, Bo Bichette, along George Springer, all in between 18 and 14 home runs, and Matt Chapman, under the radar, has been one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball recently. The man has been able to give the team nine home runs in his last 76 at best, and over the last 30 days, a 443 on base and a 355 batting average. And if you want to get even more specific, last 15 days, five bombs in 33 at best, hitting a 424. That is absolutely massive for this Blue Jays team, and the bullpen is not bad for the Blue Jays. I know that it's been much maligned. I personally think that they need more starting pitching, but the bullpen is actually there with them. David Phelps, Tim Meza, Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, all these guys have sub-3-3 ERAs, so they're able to do the job for this team. Just in case, once you say Kikuchi is not necessarily so great, but with the Minnesota Twins, certainly they're going to be able to p- provide some firepower in their lineup as well. You need Byron Buxton to do a little bit of a better job of getting on base, 299 on base, but 26 home runs, he's pretty much getting a home run every 11.5 or so at best, and then you do have some power behind the base. Gary Sanchez, Jose Miranda, Gio Urshela, Carlos Correa, Ore Palanco, all between 10 and 14 home runs apiece, and a lot of these guys have been able to get on base. Miranda's hitting a 275 for this bunch, Nick Gordon-Gilbert 
Roberto Cicino, Carlos Correa, Gio Rochelle, going between about a 261 to a 271. So, got guys are able to move the line for this Twins bunch. And for the Minnesota Twins, the bullpen has been very good as Johan Duran throw in there Trevor McGill, both of these guys, posting up a sub-215 ERA. Griffin Jacks has been getting a little bit jacks up recently, but they picked up Michael Fulmer at the deadline. He was very solid in that Detroit Tigers bullpen as well. So, got a lot of guys that are able to hold down the fort when it comes to this Minnesota Twins team, but I do like the Blue Jays bullpen, and I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get to a guy in Sonny Gray who's been a little bit nervous as well. They wind up setting my total at a 7.7. Right now, the only 8th that I'm seeing is at DraftKings, so in terms of Vegas books, I am tethered to 7 halves at a 7 half. I'm looking at the over. Want to lay up to minus 144 here with the Blue Jays. 971-972 on the betting board. It is the Walker Texas Rangers, and they're going to be playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Johnny Cueto is going to be going for the White Sox, and it is the MLB debut of Cole Reagans, and well, the Rangers are an underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 110 to a plus 115, and between minus 125 and minus 130, your price on the White Sox. 8.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110. The White Sox biggest bugaboo has been being able to go yard, but I do think that Cole Reagans is going to be able to actually give a halfway decent start, but with the way that the bullpen has been performing for the Texas Rangers, you would probably like to be able to bring him in to a little bit more of a clean situation. For Reagans, he wanted pitching for Frisco and Round Rock a little bit earlier this season in Round Rock in the PCL, which is a little bit of a juice ball league, a 332 ERA. I believe that he wanted making eight starts out there. Two and a half walks per nine innings, hold the ball in the yard, 10 strikeouts per nine. He's got really good raw stuff. A lot of these guys, when they wind up making their debut, they wind up crumbling into the scene. And for Johnny Cueto, he has been rock solid all season long for the White Sox. This is better than a 4-4 record because he has got overall a 286 ERA. That falls to a buck seventy on the road. He's been giving up a right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings, 2.2 walks per nine. Not a guy that's going to go out there and just blaze it by you or anything like that, but a guy that does a good job holding down the fort, being able to give some length. And it's a... White Sox lineup that you've got guys that are able to get on base and they're able to move the line as you've got Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, when he's been out there, Luis Robert, as he's currently on the injured list, and Andrew Vaughn, playing at least a 299 for the team, and holy Eloy Jimenez, the guy has been able to heat up. On the beginning of the season on the injured list, ever since he's come off the injured list, he's been able to a little bit above a 300 in the last 15 days, 424 batting average with three home runs. That is exactly what this White Sox team needs because in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, it has been pretty putrid for the Chicago White Sox. And the Chicago White Sox, they've been having a little bit of a tough time hitting right-handed pitching against lefties. They've been able to do a little bit of a better job, but with the White Sox, the power numbers are not there, but batting average on the road, 272. That is actually the best out there in the big leagues with Jose Abreu really being the headliner hitting a 357 when he's away from Chicago. Meanwhile, for the Walker, Texas Rangers, I mentioned it, bullpen is not looking great for the team. You do have Brad Burke along with Matt Moore, pair of guys providing a sub-2 ERA, but Garrett Richards and Dennis Santana, these guys over the last, we're going to call it now 45 days, have north of an 11 ERA. They have been absolutely terrible for the team. Jose Leclerc has been able to give you some good innings. Jonathan Hernandez, I've always believed, has had a little bit of an upside 3 ERA with him, but Clearly, the bullpen not necessarily living up to its standard. Now, with the Rangers, they've got balance power on the team. You've got Corey Seager, your main home run hitter, hitting right around at 245. He's went deep 24 times. And then on top of that, you do have Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon, in between about a 242, 245, with Jonah Heim being a bit about a 260. But with Jonah Heim, 13 home runs. 
Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, Adelise Garcia, all between 15 and 18 home runs. Cole Cowan, 11 bombs, but it's only a 2-10 for this team. You do have a couple guys towards the bottom of the fold, like Nick Solak. They've had a little bit of a tough time, but Leody Tavares, he's been able to 3-10 as well. I do think that the White Sox are going to be able to pick it up a little bit. The biggest thing for them is that they've got a fossil in the dugout that has been really holding them back, but I do think that this is going to be a good spot to be able to tee off on a first-time starter in Cole Raggins. Bullpen of the Rangers has been in the bottom 10 in terms of over the last 40 days and for the Chicago White Sox Bullpen for this team has not been too terrific either. You currently have Reynaldo Lopez on the injured list. Jimmy Lambert has been relatively solid. I do like Liam Hendricks along with Kendall Graveman. Both of these guys have been able to do a lights-out job for this team. But Liam Hendricks, he's been sort of in and out of the fold the last few days. He's been dealing with some injuries throughout the season. Matt Foster has been terrible for this team. Joe Kelly has earned of a 5 ERA. So I think that you're going to be getting some runs. I do think the Cueto going to see a little bit of regression. I think Reagans gives up his runs as well. So my total of 9.2 looking over. One lay up to a minus 132 with the White Sox as well. So, taking a look at the Sox, and we wrap things up with my DK Nation pick. 973-974 on the bang board. It is a Boston Red Sox. They hit the red face-off against the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K, Boobich is going to be going for the Royals, and Nick Pavetta is on the bump for Boston. Boston is between a minus 130 to a minus 135 favorite, and between plus 110 to a plus 125 year price on the Royals. 8.5 is your total. Over is between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. I typically don't like to give up favorites with regards to the DK Nation pick, but getting a minus 130, as I see it at DraftKings right now on the Red Sox, I think it's very good value. A lot of people have devalued the Boston Red Sox, and I would say somewhat rightfully so, based on what they've seen post-All-Star break, but Nick Pavetta has been able to do his best work on the road, and now they've got Rafael Devers on in the fold, so that's why they are going to be the DK Nation pick in terms of the money line for Pavetta. 442 road ERA compared to a 452 ERA. No, man, certainly had his problems giving up the deep ball right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. Command has been relatively solid, though, especially on the road, right around three walks per nine innings. Bonus staring at 230 off of him. He's still been able to generate right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings for Pavetta. He has certainly had recent game struggles as take a look over the last three days, 938 ERA. That is not necessarily too terrific. A lot of that manifests from right after the All-Star break where the Boston Red Sox, they were just in a no good, very bad spot. But Kansas City Royals not necessarily going into this one in great offensive form as this is a bunch that they have scored two runs or fewer in seven out of their last nine games. They do wind up getting Salvador Perez along with Bobby Wood Jr. back in the fold. These two guys have been able to combine for uh, 29 home runs this season, but they do wind up trading away with Merrifield, a guy that was really a heart and soul piece for this team. Bobby Wood Jr. along with Hunter Dozier throwing their Nicky Lopez. They're in between about 248 to 255, but then you've got MJ Melendez along with Cam Gallagher who split some time in terms of the catching spots slash GH, Vinny Pasquinto, Perez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Kyle Isbell, all these guys are in a 220 or lower. Nick Prado has not necessarily been too terrific since coming up to the big leagues. The Royals also are dead last in terms of the big leagues in bullpen ERA. Scott Barlow has been able to do a nice job for this team. He's posting up right around 250 ERA, and I will say for Taylor Clark, over the last 45 days, he's had a sub-3 ERA out of the bullpen, but Joe Piamps, he has seen his ERA go north of 5 over the last 30 days. Wyatt Mills has a 5 ERA for this bunch. Mir Garrett has been terrible all season long, and for the Boston Red Sox, they did wind up 
trading away one of their pieces in Jake Diekman from the bullpen, but now you've got Garrett Woodlock, who's able to give you multiple innings. He's been locked down for this team. You've had Tanner Elk be very good in the bullpen for this bunch as well, right around a 3.15 ERA after he needed a little bit of help finding his way. And once again, for the Boston Red Sox, Rafael Devers back in the fold, hitting a 3.22 with 23 home runs. He is the main masher for this team. And then on top of that, you do wind up trading away. Christian Vasquez, but you still have out there J.D. Martinez, a guy that has been able above a 385 for the team all season long. Alex Verdugo does a good job moving the line, hitting about a 265. Tommy Pham is someone that winds up coming into the fold as well. He has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. Xander Bogarts hitting above a 300 as well, so I do think that that is really going to be able to help out this Boston Red Sox team, and what else is going to be able to help him out? Chris with the K. Bubich in two home starts already this year has failed to get out of the first inning. Now, with Chris with the K. Bubich, two to his credit, he's looked a little bit better recently, giving up three runs or fear, and now each out of his last six starts in the month of July, wound up registering a 3.28 ERA, but still wound up giving up five home runs in 35 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate all season long has been a little bit unsightly. Did a better job in July, and by that I mean he wound up lowering it to right around four as overall for the season. It's been in the pocket of about five. Doesn't necessarily get a lot of swings and misses. At home, he's got a 6.32 home ERA. Opponents are at 295 off of him. This is a fade of Chris with the K Bubich. I do think that the Boston Red Sox going to be able to get a little bit of upward momentum with Rafael Devers back in the fold. They wound up taking two out of three from the Houston Astros as a relatively sizable underdog. They come in winners out of three out of their last four. The Kansas City Royals, after they showed a little bit of a sign of life, they're starting to risk a little bit as well, especially with the offense. So DK Nation pick going to be on the Boston Red Sox on the money line. Did wind up saying my total at a 9.1. I think that Bubich gives up some runs, but Fedham, he's been prone to give up a deep ball or two as well. So looking at the over and on the DK Nation pick, it is going to be the Red Sox on the money line. And that wraps things up for the Thursday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Holden Kushner. Does a great job with the Denver CityCast along with his work over there at Rumpier Bets and Rumpier Sports. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like to hear him from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways to for those. And first one is my Twitter timeline at GNNRS. 41. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Otherwise, you find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like here on this podcast. Find that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.